Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Heavenly Father, we welcome the Holy Spirit in this place. To you alone be all the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Our Father which art in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In our lives and in everything we do as it is in heaven. Give us this day and this week and this month our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering. You may take your seats. Thank you very much. I spoke about the power of one this morning. And we spoke about Jesus and the woman of Samaria at the well. And as Maud said, I think it's very necessary for all of us to get that particular message. And sometimes, you know what, I remember in my early days, how that I would go to church and there would almost be a lot of people always looking for all the, the in those days they had tape recordings. They just wanted the tapies, as they would say, actually tapey. And uh, they would get these little tapes and go and play them in the car. And then it became CDs and now it becomes a digital situation. But you could get it always afterwards. And how I would that all the people of the church would be here. Now, there's a lot of people here. But I wish we could have all of our congregation and on a night such as this. While it is a beautiful summer day. And God will send the rain. Do you believe that? Now, I've got about let's say 40, 50 out of all of these people here tonight that believe that. How many of you believe God for rain right now? Give the Lord a praise offering for it. Thank you for the rain, Lord Jesus. One command and we've got rain. Amen. Now, I want to, what is right, she says that I'm on the same flow, but differently tonight. And I want to take you to Deuteronomy 30, verse number 19, 19, I should say. And here we read these words. I call heaven and earth, heaven and earth, as witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose, everybody say choose. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Make a choice, choose life. Choose Jesus. How many people do you think that you know of really need Jesus? That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He 
is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. In this case, God put us here in Africa and this land where we dwell. We love this land. It's a beautiful land, beautiful people in this land. I believe this nation is a nation of untold, very powerful revival. I'm talking about economically revival. I believe this, this land's got so much potential. But one day, a revelation will come to one politician or more to say, let's take hands, get this job done. And when we all take hands and love one another, the job will be done, the land will be blessed. Can you say amen? which the land swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And as it says, you also on the computer. And uh, therefore, choose life. Now here is the stark reality that I was thinking this week. I was just thinking about these things. I am just like that, always thinking. I read things and I meditate about them saw things this week of the Bible that I haven't seen before. That's just amazing stuff. My goodness. And you don't realize it. You read the Bible again and again and then, oh, here's something new now. And, uh, and I was thinking, the stark reality is that everybody that's here, everybody that's here, men, women, and children, if the Lord does not come to catch away the church, we're all going to die. Fact. Children born into this world will die. The elderly will die. Everybody will one day has to faith, face death. And the Bible says, you know, it is ordained for all men to die once, then comes the judgment. You don't come back as an ant. By reincarnation, you're going to be a frog. Or by reincarnation, you're going to be a good person so you'll be a little robin bird or something. How stupid does that one get? I mean, stupid is forever. That really is stupid. Spectacular display of stupidity. So, you know, we all will see that. That is the fact. There is a day for you and for me, all of us, that you will breathe your last if Jesus doesn't come and catch away the church. And I do believe that we are right on that edge now. I really believe that. I really believe that. Everything in scriptures as I study, tell me and confirm over and over the coming of the Lord, the catching away, the departure of the church is at hand. But the good news is that if they put you under the ground, we sang about six foot under the ground. The good news is you're going to come out of that grave again. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the resurrection from the dead? You will depart from your mortal body. Mortal meaning that which is liable or prone to death of sterflik in Afrikaans. Your body, which is a sin nature in it, that body will die and will be buried. And some die young, some die old, but they all die. Except, like I always say, if the Lord comes, then that's not applicable because then those who remain alive at the coming of the Lord 
will be caught up together with those who are raised from the graves. First uh, Thessalonians 4 verse 13 will tell you that. And they will meet the Lord in the air. We shall forever be with him then. But when we look at um, the situation, there is a stark reality that connects to all of this. That is the reality that there is a departure which take, takes place. The departure is either you're saved and you immediately go to heaven. Or you're not saved and you immediately go to hell. Now Jesus spoke, in fact the New Testament, if I look at that hits graph, that gives you reflection in the books of the Bible when the word hell is used or the New Testament Gehenna referring to the netherworld or the underworld. Those not saved will indeed go to the underworld. And that is an experience so frightful when they go to Gehenna, which is hell, where torture instantly begins and the amazing facts of the Bible actually in the book of, of uh, Isaiah chapter 8 it begins to say my people perish through a lack of knowledge and then it says therefore hell from beneath has enlarged its mouth without measure because the people have no lack have no knowledge, they ignorant, the word ignorant meaning lack of knowledge. They don't, they don't have knowledge. They know science, they know physics, they know geography, they know biology, they know whatever subject they did study at, at school, they know mathematics, but they know very little, if not nothing, about the Bible. They think it's like a fairy tale. But oh my, is there a big surprise coming. I mean, these years of study have brought the reality to, of God Sometimes I sit in my study and I have the fear of the Lord just when I realize these things and I think of people unsaved and I think what comes for them. Now, let's get a little bit deeper into this because the Bible says to win a soul, you win souls is wise. And you will understand if I ask you now, how many of you have got family members that are not saved? Let me see your hands. No, now tell the truth, else I'm going to have to pray for you. Raise, wave with your hands. You've got family members. How many got friends they're not saved? Let me see your hands right now. How many got people that work with you in society? They're not saved either. So there's plenty. God's put you in the middle of a harvest field. Now, here is the point. In the book of Luke, chapter number 16 and verse number 19. Now Jesus says these words. He begins to talk to them. He says, there was a rich man. He doesn't say it was like the kingdom of heaven is like a man that went out to sow seed. And then one part of the seed fell by the wayside and so on and so forth. I don't want to get into that now. But um, the fact is, when he says there was a rich man, then he states it as a fact. And many people don't realize that. Jesus is saying there was a rich man. And he says, who was dressed in purple and fine linen. 
who fared sumptuously, abundantly, overflowingly, wellness in terms of an earthly life, pampering the flesh day by day, who fared sumptuously every day. The Lord goes on there and he says, but there was also a beggar named Lazarus that lied at the gate of the rich man and desired greatly to be fed even from the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. That's what the Bible will tell you there if you read it. See, he desired only the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Now, this is very interesting. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores because his body was covered with sores. His body, the Bible says there, he lied there and his body was covered with sores. So the, dog, the dogs came and licked the sores on his body. And then the Bible goes on and it says these words. It says, and then Lazarus died. The beggar named Lazarus that was lying at the gate. He died. And the angels came. The angels came. Immediately the angels are there. When a person that is saved blows out his last breath. The angels came and they buried, they carried him away, shall I say again. The angels came and they carried him away. And so it was that at last the rich man also died. Now it says in the next verse, it says that the rich man dies and open up, opening up his eyes, unlike he's not carried away by the angels, and opening up his eyes, he saw Lazarus afar at the bosom of Abraham. And then he cried out, because after death, people are recognizable. You will know when you see Abraham. It's one of those things, the Greek there is very, very, very revelatory actually. When it talks about the intuitive, immediate, immediate knowledge. Intuitive but, um, impartation of the knowledge of God to a person. But he saw Abraham at the bosom of Abraham was then this man called Lazarus and he's being comforted by Abraham. Then he cries out and he says, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, please send Lazarus because he recognizes that man that was at his gate that never got the attention. Please send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. For I am, and touch my tongue, for I am suffering in this place. Now take a closer look at the situation that says, when he, when he lifted up his eyes, he found himself in a place that was the place of torment. Then he says, for I am suffering in this flame. Now, if you look at the Greek there, the word there, 
of the place of torment. And the word for suffering, that, that Greek tells you there, it is the most extreme of thinkable pain. In other words, you take pain to the max. There's a flame that's burning him. On the side of the netherworld where the unsaved are kept even right now till the coming of the Lord when the dead will be raised to appear, Revelation chapter number 20, before the judgment seat of Christ. The great white throne actually is its proper description. That's Revelation chapter number 20. And from verse number 10, you find there verse number 11. You find the books are open and there was a great white throne that, that appears before which the heavens rolled away. And then you see here in the netherworld, let's return to the story now. In the netherworld, there's this compartment where all the people, Gehenna or hell, all the people who did not listen to the Lord and ignored the Lord and ignored the teachings of the Lord and ignored obedience to the Lord and ignored the holy day, which is the Sabbath day, which is this day, which belongs to the Lord. They ignored it all and now it was too late. When you close your eyes for the last time, you say, then reality is there. Then you move over into a dimension, which to me is the most fascinating dimension to study that I have come across in my years of studying the Word. But the reality is that he finds himself in a place of torment and he says, Father Abraham, I am suffering in this flame. There is a flame that's burning down there. And he's in a pit. The Bible refers, even to the days of Moses, it talks about the pit going down. Like in the days of, of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and they went down to the pit. It's called the pit. And there's a flame burning there. And he says, I'm suffering. There is no way, there's nobody there to comfort, and there is no escape from hell. If you haven't met the Messiah, you're in trouble. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. If you're playing church, you're in trouble. If you think once saved, always saved, and you abuse the greatness of the grace of God in your life, you're also in trouble. People need to think and assess their lives, you know, that the book of Romans chapter number 12 says that you need to ought to think of yourself soberly. Soberly. It's like when alcohol and stuff is out of your mind and there's nothing like that in your system and you're fully awake and fully alert, you think about it. Soberly. So one has to go through a stock taking and consider your life. Now, if we look at that situation, Abraham says back to him, he says, these words, then we go next to the next verse. He says, Abraham said, son, remember. Which in itself is a major revelation. A person that is burning in the flames after death can feel the pain. Completely feel the pain. A person who has died, and this is where most people miss it. They feel the flame, they burn, and the Bible says it is a place where the worm does not die and the flame is not quenched. 
They are worms, the maggots of hell. And there are people that wrote about that. Like the Mary Kay Baxter book that says they like, like, like a loaf of bread, the size. And they just chew away on those people that are down there. And they could do nothing about it. Nothing. Those maggots of hell feed on them. And they just keep on feeding on them. So, son, remember. Here's the next thing. He could see. He still had a tongue. Let Lazarus put the piece of water, a little drop of water on the tip of my tongue because I'm suffering in this flame, he says. Now, you know, so he could, he's still got a tongue. He can still swallow. He's got eyes. He can recognize Abraham afar. He's fully, like we would say, compass mentis. 100% there. Now we get another revelation that comes into that thing. Where, um, where Abraham says to him, Son, remember, your spiritual memory, your spiritual man that leaves your body is actually your greatest memory. Now, this to me is one of the greatest revelations in the Bible on a personal basis because I found that when I got myself in a position where I completely give, given myself over to God, my memory was multiplied. I found myself that memory is of the Holy Spirit. So I never really rely on my natural memory. I always rely on the Holy Spirit memory and it gives me the answer of anything I want to know. If I want to know it, he'll give it to me. So, Son, remember, when you were alive, you, let me put it in a modern day term, you just had everything that you wanted. Your life was real good. You received your good and Abraham, the I mean, Lazarus, the bad. Son, remember. Son, remember. A person's memory after death is one of the most powerful things that you will remember every fault, every mistake that you've made. And the biggest mistake was making a proper commitment to Jesus Christ the Lord. Son, remember, that man has suffered all his life. He had all the bad. It was in a basket in front of him. He had to make do it with it. The only, the only compassion that he had was like dogs licking on his body. You know, dogs lick themselves and eventually they get healed. But the sores were covering him. There was a rich man and there was a beggar named Lazarus. Now when the Holy Spirit gets involved in your spiritual man memory, there is an explosion of memory. See? It's when you... You, you remember and you see. It's the most amazing experience. You pray about that. Now, and then he says, oh, I beg you, Father Abraham. You know, you ought to do something about this. Well, let me just cut back a little bit here where Abraham says, he closes his argument with a man. He says to him, besides, there is a great gulf fixed between us that those who are here can not pass over to there, and those who are there can't pass over to this side. Luke chapter 16, verse 19, and on. He says they can't, they can't. There are people that say, well, you know, when you die, you're like an angel who's sitting on a, on a cloud with a harp. Forget it. That's not the case. 
You better know the reality of the living Christ. This is why Jesus came to the cross. Besides, there's a great gulf fixed between us. Now, you know what? The scholars call that the abyss, the bottomless pit. It's very interesting, very interesting. And we know this is where the beast is going to be locked up. We also know of the angels of Genesis chapter number 6 that went down into that abyss. And they're kept there, as Enoch writes in his book, on sharp stones below them. So they can never rest. They've all, all the time got a flutter. And if they go just too low in that pitch black darkness, they've got these sharp stones that sting them from the bottom. And that's where they're kept till the judgment day. The angels that transgressed in the days of Noah. That's a whole long story. Son, remember. Besides, there's a great gulf fixed between us. That those who are there can't come here. And those who are here can't cross over to there. And the angels are certainly not going to take him over. I would add that. There's no way. Lazarus was carried by the angels. But there's no way that you could cross that, that gulf. If you, I would imagine, looked over the gulf, you looked down, it would be pitch black darkness itself. Like almost like the outer darkness that Jesus describes. Those who die at this time are being tormented right now in the flame with the worms of hell eating on them. And they are in such pain and such torment that nobody can even begin to describe it because none of us have ever actually experienced that. And nobody wants to have that. Nobody. If you're in your right mind, nobody chooses hell. But to get out of hell, you need to choose Jesus. That's the only way. Give the Lord Jesus a praise offering right here. Now the story goes on. And he says, Father Abraham. He cries out to him. He says, I pray that you will send somebody to my, to my home, to my house, to my family. That uh, they warn them. Not to come to this place that I am in now. Not that they would not come to this place. And Abraham says to him, Son, they will not listen to anybody, even if they are raised from the dead. They will not listen to Moses. They will not listen to nobody. There are people just that stuck in darkness, that even if a person is raised from the dead, they still won't turn. They choose eternal, maximized pain. But the story doesn't even stop there. You know, if I just cut out of that story here at this point and just take you a little bit further, that um, in terms of the weaker dead, which you find in the book of Revelation, and you find that in chapter number 20 from verse number 11. You'll see there that then there appeared a great white throne, and he who sat upon it was, the, of course, God Almighty, and the books were opened, and the book of life was opened, and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into a worst situation. Where the netherworld is compartmental, 
the eternal lake of fire goes on, like you would say, ad infinitum. It just, it's this lake. I've seen that in a vision. When a man in the early days who was a pastor was busy committing adultery and I saw a vision in the night that he was getting up to stuff. And I went to his house, knocked on the door, and I said to him, you're committing adultery. And you're a minister, what's it with you? Well, he went white as snow, and his wife's face also turned white as snow. And I walked in, and I just told him, you're committing adultery. Well, then he confessed. They had a situation going with a woman that came to him for counseling. And I warned the people, I've got the one, one brick rule. I say to the people, when you counsel a lady, a member of the opposite sex, there has to be a brick width opening on the door. Somebody sitting outside that door can hear what's going on to protect you if you're a minister. Because the stories that sometimes come out to the pastors are not all that kosher. See? Now, the eternal lake of fire is a spectacle in a vision which I saw. I saw that lake. It's like you stand on the beach and it's a very open beach and in front of you, you just see the sea. You see the waters and the waves of the sea. Take away the waters and replace it with flames. And then you see people bursting out of the flames and falling back into the flames, screaming and crying out, what a horrible thing to see. Now I'm telling you now, well, just send them, uh, send them, uh, you know, send someone to my brothers. Now, earlier on, I asked you and I said to you, how many of you got family members unsaved? And I asked you, how many of you got some unsaved people at your workplace? And then I might as well say, how many of you have properly given your life to Jesus? You know, that's a day, that's a thing that you do kind of every day. You make sure that when you enter the day in your prayer life, you have your devotion. A lot of people these days, a lot of people listen to heart to heart. And that serves as an opening devotional, helps you to do your devotions in the early morning. A lot of people do that. Then they have devotions, they read their Bible, they pray together and they pray individually and then they go into the day and they work. But here's the reality. There is the, there is the physical realm. If you look at dimensionality, I don't want to get into that because that gets kind of mathematical. But if you look at dimensionality and you look at, you just make this distinction, make it very simple. That which is seen and that which is not seen. That which is not seen is way more powerful than that which is seen. The reason being that God Almighty is there. And the holy angels of God are there. And the heavenly hosts, the armies of heaven are straight there. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, Ephesians chapter number four, it tells you from the 11th verse, you know, that it talks there about, it says now, you know, uh, who is it that descended? He who descended into the lower parts of the earth is Christ. And that he also ascended. And then it says, and he led a train or as it translates, actually not so nice in the New King James, he led captivity captive. He went down into the lower parts of the earth and then he led captivity captive. Those people from the bosom of Abraham was emptied out. 
And so the Bible says, the book of Matthew, that after his death, the graves were opened and they appeared to many in the city of Jerusalem. It's written in the apocryphal letters. It's in the letters of Pontius Pilate and all over in different sources tell you that there were people that were kept in the bosom of Abraham after the death and the resurrection after he defeated Satan in the netherworld and struck him and then disarmed principalities and powers and he rose from the dead. He had broken Satan's power once and for all and now the people from the bosom of Abraham that are kept there like in the bosom of Abraham, followed him up into heaven. That's the captivity. He led a train of captives. So they went to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. For it's needless for me to boast that says like this, but I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now let me just cut this thing a little bit shorter and say this to you. For I know of a man within the body or out of the body. I can't tell that such a person in the body or out of the body. I can't say that such a man was caught up into paradise, into the third heaven, where he heard words unutterable to be spoken. Paradise where? In the third heaven. The bosom of Abraham is paradise of the Old Testament after paradise actually disappeared. Moved down to the bosom of Abraham. From the bosom of Abraham up to paradise in the third heaven. That's where the saints are kept until we join them who are saved who believe in Christ Jesus to the salvation of our souls. Now, shall I tell you, must I really tell you that it's time to have some serious talk with your family members? Am I right if I say that, Pastor Jacques? Am I right if I say that, Dr. Dennis, Pastor Dennis, Dr. Dennis, also a pastor? Amen? Do you need any further encouragement to talk to somebody? about Jesus, because really it's not difficult at all. When you've done it once, you've done it twice, you're in a flow. It becomes joy for you. You look for every opportunity you look to see if you can find somebody and you just check on them. You pray about it. Say, Lord, just take me in the company of somebody that's not saved. I'm going to go for that person. Ask them if they're Christian and so on. And you just strike a conversation and you break the ice like an icebreaker. You talk to the person, you're friendly, you say something that will get them relaxed. Say, you know, you're looking good today or you're looking, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've got beautiful clothes on. Anything, you compliment them and they say, really? Yes, yes, you are. How are you doing in life these days? Well, they normally say, oh, well, not too bad. Actually, very bad. Because if they, haven't, if they haven't got Jesus, the whole thing is very bad. This is the reality of the gospel. This is the message of the gospel. Go ye therefore make disciples of all the nations. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the uttermost parts of the earth and then the end will come. Then, you know, these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. Those who believe, they shall cast out demons. They shall tread on serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it shall by no means harm them. They shall take up serpents and they shall destroy the heads of serpents. So a snake comes there on the island of, of um, uh, their, uh, Malta on the south of Italy and strikes Paul the apostle in the hand. You just take the snake and Shake it off in the fire, let it burn. Came from the fire, just burn. And now they're looking at Paul, is he going to die? You see, 
What are we living for? The, the seriousness of the mission of Jesus Christ is what got you in this building. The seriousness of the purpose of your life is what, if you understand and you have the revelation that you have family members and you love them and you don't want them to go to the wrong place because no more down in, and that was in the time of the Old Testament, no more Lazarus bosom now. It's paradise in the third heaven. It's a completely different situation. But for the wicked dead, they're there. They are tormented. They're surrounded. We've had lots of testimonies of this. They're surrounded by demon spirits, fallen angels, and they give them torment day and night apart from the flame that they are in and they suffer. Then the worms come in. The torment is to the point of insanity. Dr. Richard Eby had such a vision when he fell on his head from the balcony of a high balcony on, on uh, where they were staying. I don't know where it was, an apartment. He was a physicist, a scientist. And uh, Dr. Eby says he fell straight on his head. And they took him. He was dead on impact. But he was out immediately. And then, of course, his experience of both heaven and hell. And he tells the story, maybe you get that on YouTube, Dr. Richard Eby, a physicist. But his wife decided that he's going to live, and she started praying. And they said, go away. You know, she would not go away. She would just stand there, and she would just go on, pray, 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 pray. She would not even want to go to sleep. She just prayed. She was one of those, just don't give up. And she prayed. And at once... Dr. Eby sat up in that, in that bed and he was, now, he was now alive. He was dead. He became alive. And then he came and he told the story. And he saw heaven. And then he went to Israel and he went to the tomb of Jesus, the garden tomb of Jesus. Went into the garden tomb and he went, he went into that thing on the inside of the tomb. The floor fell out. And the voice said to him, you've seen heaven. Now I'm going to show you what goes on underneath. But it's going to be less than a minute because nobody goes down there for more than a minute and is still sane after that. They go off their minds. They become a scramble. See, the difference is death or life, blessing or cursing, choose ye the life that you may live. This is the power of the gospel that could set you free from hell and from the fire of hell. That's the one thing that we know. Life exists after death, except in dimensionality, we move into another dimension with completely different characteristics, which I'd love to talk about that is not the same as what we have here. But its influence is awesomely powerful. It controls everything that goes on here. First the spirit and then follows the natural. There was a rich man. There was a name a man called Benny. There was a man called Jack. There was a man called whatever name you can think of. Joseph, if you want. They also face the same thing. Everybody faces it. And you face it. If you commit your life to Jesus Christ, without any doubt, he will save your soul. That's the whole mission of Jesus Christ. You know, 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And then the apostles rise up and say, we are his witnesses. And that is what you are. When you go out you're, tomorrow, you're an evangelist. If you're a one-on-one -on -one evangelist, that's exactly what you are. You bear fruit. You say, Pastor Harold, you said you get a, get a, a thousand souls into the church. Yes, it was just a figure I got in my mind. I thought, that's it. Well, today, we've had many people already say they join in the congregation. They actually part. They become, this becomes their house, the house of worship. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.